We're going to take you on a journey. Look, to be honest, there was two days I laid on my bathroom floor. I can't believe I'm crying already. I can't imagine the grief of a parent who loses a child. And you be the greatest version of you, then, then I feel like my work is done. Hi, I'm Tam Wrigley and welcome to the Beyond Beautiful journey. Hi and welcome to Beyond Beautiful. Today we have an amazing woman. She is five times best-selling international award-winning author. She's a facilitator and a health and lifestyle educator. But before all of that, she's been through partnership breakdowns, relationship breakdowns, and she has lost millions in the storm financial crisis. But she managed to pick herself back up and now has one of Australia's biggest organic skincare range. Kim Morrison, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. You have a pretty amazing journey when you think about where you've come from to where you are now. Take us back, I guess, to where it all started um, with you. I think, you know, you met the love of your life, Danny, the international cricket star that he is, and you went on an amazing journey with him. But I guess, take us back to that life, to where you are now. It's a different life, being a wag. Um, <laughs> I certainly didn't have any intentional knowledge around cricket, but I was introduced to him at the Wacker. I was over there, we'd won a trip to Perth, and when he walked out of the dressing room, I decided I became very interested in cricket. Um, <laughs> but then, believe it or not, we had a three-week romance, and then we went our separate ways for four years, and I just kept hoping and praying that he'd see the light and we lived separate lives. I stayed in Melbourne, he went back to New Zealand. But it was during that time in Melbourne that I ended up um, studying uh, essential oils, um, health, wellness, nutrition, fitness. And I also met a man called Cliff Young, who I ended up working with. He was an ultra marathoner, won the inaugural Sydney to Melbourne race. And then one day he dared me to run one. And I'd never run beyond 10Ks. My dream was to play netball for New Zealand. And I ended up running a 12-hour race and ended up winning that and ran 95.4 k's and as they gave me my trophy they said you've won a place to represent Victoria in a 24-hour race so they then ran in that a couple of months later and then set a world record in that race being the youngest female to run 100 miles in wow. less than 24 hours so I went on to run for Australia over in the UK and I guess it was a journey that really taught me at a young age uh, because one thing Cliffy said was, in these tough moments of the race, which they call the graveyard shift from midnight to 6am, you'll find the real you mm -hmm. and you'll also find out how strong you truly are. I didn't really know what he was talking about until I was in that race. And there was so many times I wanted to quit. So often I tried to pull out of the race and then just something inside You're going to like self-sabotage, don't you? Yeah. Very much, yeah. very much. Had this voice that I'd never met before who mm. doubted me, had so much fear. And then something came out of me when one of the team members said, the Victorian champion's gaining on you. What have you got? And my coach said, you can do this. And apparently I ran the last two hours of that race quicker than the first two hours. And yeah, ended up winning the race. And I think I've used my ultramarathon days truly as a metaphor for life. Mm. And 
when I ended up back in New Zealand, back with Danny, came to his senses. <laughs> um, we married and went on an amazing journey, which to be honest with you, felt like a bubble. Mm. You know, we traveled the world, we were in beautiful hotels, he was living his dream. Um, we got married, we had magazines, we were on the cover, we had contracts with Women's Day. It was a celebrity life. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, life, life came crashing down. Mm. Tell us a bit about that. So we, we had bought a couple of properties. We were fortunate enough to save money and work hard and we bought some properties and then unfortunately we lost our house in a deal that went wrong. That's a whole story but the gist of it is is that we trusted people with our money. Um, and sadly during that time Danny's sister also took her life. Mm. And I think the world, and we'd had our two children but my goodness, the, the bubble we were in felt very smashed. Mm. And I actually didn't know how we were going to pull out of it because Danny then went into a state of major depression. We'd lost all the money he'd saved and what we'd worked so hard to create. And I didn't really know what it is I wanted to do. I had been working for an aromatherapy company based in Australia. I had been trained to be a speaker for them. And it was in that moment I questioned everything. And I had a moment sitting on a plane flying to Kerry Kerry of all places in New Zealand. And I just texted Danny and I said, do you think we should go and live in Australia? And his text came back, hell yes, when, which really surprised yeah. me. Um, and you get the thing like, is he joking or is he real? Yeah, <laughs> and, and I really didn't know if he was for real because New Zealand, he'd played cricket mm. for New Zealand. and Was he still playing cricket? No, no. he'd finished mm. as well. That was another story he found out on the news. He had been dropped from the New Zealand wow. cricket team. So I think that was the start of the undoing. Mm. Um, anyway, we up rooted ourselves and moved to the Sunshine Coast in 2006, a year after his sister had tragically died. And as he said, and it was a story in the Sunshine Coast Daily that we'd moved to Australia to put the sunshine back in our lives. But it didn't, it didn't really because it was during that time I decided what is it I want to do and I really wanted to, to launch my book. I'd written three books in that time back in New Zealand. Um, with a girlfriend and we decided we wanted to relaunch it over here. Sadly during that time the other property we'd sold back in New Zealand, we'd bought the money over here to Australia to start afresh and had put it into a large financial institution yep. that went bust in the 2008 crash just as we were launching the book and my new business that I'd created called 28. Mm and the $40,000 I needed to launch that business had now gone. Mm. And, but everything was in motion, so I had to find the money to create this business. We were two in. Mm. And I think that's when I got creative. Danny was probably, with all respect, no good to me. He was overseas and trying to just find himself again. Unbeknown to me, he'd also gone into a world of depression, of partying, drugs, alcohol, and a life that I didn't even know he was having. Mm. Um, How did you cope with that when you found out about that lifestyle? Well, I found out about it just as I was about to launch the book mm. and the new business. I tell you my world, and the same week my grandmother passed away, who was one of my greatest mentors. Mm. It, it's probably the first time in my life I found myself on my bathroom floor. Um, <laughs> so you've had financial, you know, everything's gone, ripped out from underneath you, your finances have been taken away, 
um, if you found out that your husband isn't the person that you thought he was and you've now, the company that you've wanted to launch is now in, in ruins because of everything that's happening, mm. how did you get through it and, and how did you pick yourself back up? Look, to be honest, there was two days I laid on my bathroom floor and I've never done that. I'm not somebody as a glass half empty. I've always been a glass half full girl. Uh, but those two days were pretty dark and um, oh, I can feel I know. it. <laughs> um, I was getting emotional. <laughs> I was just saying it. Um, yeah, I really, it still, it still hits me. I, um, I honestly didn't know how to breathe. I had a 10 and a nine year old um, and my girlfriend looked at me on the bathroom floor and I just said, I've got nothing. And I said, maybe this is a sign from the universe saying, give up. And she looked at me and just said, or maybe it's the universe asking, how bad do you want it? That was probably the athlete in me that, you know, in all my ultra marathon days, the times I wanted to quit, Cliffy saying, you just got to get up, put one foot in front of the other. That echoed in my mind. And I picked my sorry self up and decided that even though I had no money and I needed $40,000, my grandmother had gone, um, that in three weeks we were launching 28. And I, um, I had no money and I didn't, didn't have anyone to ask, had no parents to fall back on. I, I have parents, but they mm. weren't in a position to help me. So I went to, um, I got creative and walked into five different banks on the Sunshine Coast, all different banks, and asked for a $2,000 credit card, which they all gave me on the spot. So I had 10 grand. And then, interesting, there's no accidents. A lady had asked to have a cup of tea with me and she was a friend of a friend and we were sitting there and she just asked me how I was and for some reason I just pulled my heart out. She got her bag out and she wrote out a cheque for $20,000 wow. and said, take your time to pay me back. Because of her believing in me and because I had this other 10 grand, I knew I had to keep going. Then we were told that people on the Sunshine Coast don't come out to book launches, <laughs> um, that they're all in bed by seven o'clock at night, but we decided to do this on a, on a Tuesday night. And um, 250 people turned up to our book launch. We sold tickets for $20. We did it, I, I drove past Mercedes-Benz, this particular, you know, leading up to it, and always dreamed of owning a Mercedes. Yep. And I just thought, well, if you don't ask, you don't get so I walked straight in there and asked to speak to the manager of Mercedes at the time he happened to be there again no accident and I just said is there any chance I could launch my book like chocolate for women here he looked at me and he said well actually we're launching that week believe it or not chocolate colored Mercedes Benz oh my god stop it so <laughs> so we'd love to have it and he didn't charge me we saw the chocolate Mercedes we did a chocolate fountain yep. and then we had all our oils six thousand dollars worth of oils there and we sold everything that mm. night. And you know, it made me question maybe sometimes you've got to be broken to, sometimes you've got to hit rock bottom. In fact, my therapist said it, Kimmy, sometimes you've got to have both feet hit rock bottom so that you can push yourself back up. Mm. I've been asked actually, you know, would you work as hard as you are now if you hadn't lost, if you and your husband hadn't lost all your money? 
And I honestly don't know if I could answer it because I quite enjoyed being a wag. It was quite mm. nice um, just being a mum and, yep. and speaking whenever I wanted to. This made me go, holy heck, you know. Shit, if I don't get up here and, and get on with this, I don't know where we'd be. Mm. So, you know, and also our therapist had said to us, she sat us both down there with our marriage and said, look, your marriage will never be the same. But if you work on yourself and you work on yourself, then your marriage could be better than it ever was. Mm. And I hung on to that as well and kept thinking one foot in front of the other. And the other thing she said, which is something I've never forgotten, when you're faced with big things, don't make decisions when you're emotional because mm. when emotions are high, intelligence is low. We don't necessarily make the best decisions. So she said, you know, I'd, I'd invite you to give it four seasons. Now, she didn't say one year or 12 months or 52 weeks. She said four seasons. And I asked beautiful French Jacqueline, who was 90 at the time, um, what do you, why did you say that? And she said, because Darlene, which was French, you know, we're all <laughs> we, different. Yeah. We're all different at different times. Some of us are good in summer. Some of us are good in winter. I just invite you, she was very spiritual, invite you to give it four seasons. And we did. Mm -hmm. And to both my husband and I's credit and to my tenacity and my absolute desire to never let circumstance knock me off my feet again, mm -hmm. um, we gave it everything. And that was nine years ago. And, years and ago. you're celebrating 10 years now of yeah. 28, yep. which is amazing, five books. In. Yes. And uh, do you sit there and have your pinch yourself moments? Like considering what you've been through and you, as you said, you know, it's how bad do you want it. And, and you, I have to think you're one of the most strongest people I've met, person I've met. Um, you do not let things knock you down. Mm. You do get back up again. And I think that's really inspirational and really motivating. And, you know, we were, we were talking off camera about, you know, some you know, family life and business life and how it can derail everything. I guess what's some tips and some pointers for our viewers about if you're, you know, a working mum, uh, looking at maybe starting your own business or even working mum in, in somebody else's business, how they get through the day of dealing with kids and teenagers and husbands and dogs and cats and everything that goes along with it. I don't think there's any accident that my job is you know, the, it's all about self-care. Mm. I'm an aromatherapist of nearly 30 years and, you know, I've always relied on tools and my main tool for me is essential oils. So if you said to me, take three deep breaths, I probably wouldn't remember to do that so much in my harsh moments or the moments where I have to make a decision or when I'm upset. But if you said to me, take three deep breaths with a drop of lavender on a tissue, it kind of gives me something to do. Or light the diffuser every morning and say a beautiful, quote. Um, I collect quotes, so quotes are quite big to me. Um, I just think you, you have to remember that no matter what, there is no one out there that does not go through a tough time. We all go through tough times, which is what prompted me to write my fifth book, which was called The Art of Self-Love because I realised in three years of research that no one escapes it. Mm. Um, the most amazing women you watch and you look up to or you see them on social media and you think, oh, they're so lucky, you know, it's, it's all right for them. I can promise you they've got a story. Mm. Um, and so I became very interested in how they get up, out, over and through those tough times. And having two children that also are going through their own challenges, 
you know, it was when my 16-year-old son at the time ended up on the end of my bed, you know, one night, absolutely broken. I looked up at him, Danny and I were just about to go off to sleep, and he just sat there and, you know, I won't, well, I, I can tell you what he said. I just looked at him and I said, you know, Jake, what's up? And he just, um, he just said, Mum, my life's, my life's fucked. I hate myself. I hate who I am. I don't want to be here. And as a mum, to watch someone you love, I'd watch my husband go through tough times. Now I'm watching my 16-year-old son go through it. And they say, a mother is only as happy as her saddest child. And I just wanted to fix it. Um, but you know, you can't, you can't fix it. So there was no accident that I'd been researching for three years, how people get through tough times. And I said to him, look, I, I don't have the answer for you. Um, I can just tell you right now, my heart is aching, but I want to show you what I've learned. And so I drew a circle on a piece of paper and, and I said, you know that everything comes back to self-love. doesn't matter what's going on out there in the world or what's happening in your life. When you have self-love, you can get through anything. But right now you've fallen out of love with yourself, that's all, and we all do it. And I drew a big line coming out of that, and I said, we call that self-sabotage. When we're scared, when we're feeling guilty, when we're remorseful, shameful, any of those feelings, loss, um, grief, any of those feelings that take us out of feeling good are actually normal and part of the human race and human existence. And I said to him, you've just fallen out and it's normal, mm. but do you want to know the way back in? And he just looked at me and he goes, yeah. And so I gave him my six steps to self-love, which the first one is self-awareness, awareness that you've fallen out of the circle, awareness that we don't feel great, awareness that life's knocked you off your perch. Actually being aware that we're in a bad place is self-love because now we're back in the circle because now we're aware, we're not having a pity party. We're not sitting there going, it sucks, why me? It's so unfair because Everybody has it happen to them. They're just different stories. Mm. The second step to me is self-care. You have to look after yourself, particularly when you're going through a tough time. And for me, that's essential oils. I'll put the diffuser on, I'll run a bath, no matter how much I don't feel like it. And as much as I want to give the fingers to the world and tell everyone that life sucks and I hate on life, and I do, um, you know, you have to keep breathing, otherwise, mm. As my beautiful grandmother said, the alternative's not great. Mm. And I guess my ultra marathon and athlete attitude is I just need a pathway. If you give me the plan, I'll get back on with it, which is why I came up with mm. six steps. So self-awareness, self-care, and then the next one, which is probably the biggest of all, is self-discipline. Nothing is handed to you on a plate. And I said to Jacob, you have to be prepared to work. Um, and I probably, as I was talking to him, was giving him the talk that I'd given my, to myself 10 years ago when I was at make or break with my business, whether I should do it or not, whether or not I should keep in my marriage, whether or not I could handle the death of my grandmother. Um, it was self-discipline. And so I knew for him that self-discipline would be his key. So I said, no swearing to teachers for 28 days promise me you're going to train every day because I know with young men it's really important or for all of us to, to expel our physical energy but for him in particular. I also ask them to do little things like ground yourself with bare feet and I say this to everybody, walk outside every day and put bare feet on the grass mm. just to ground and earth ourselves because we're surrounded by electromagnetic frequencies all the time, we're on phones, we're on computers, mm. we're under blue lights. So to walk outside for five minutes a day is one of the greatest tools for self-care. 
said to him he has to turn his phone off, you know, onto airplane mode at night so that his body gets a chance to recharge, eat something green at every meal. And you know, these are tips that I would give anybody, whether yeah. you're a 16 year old boy or a working mom. These are tips for us, and I'm not asking you to spend a lot of time and money. These are micro moments of mindfulness, is mm. what I call them. Mm. So self-discipline to me, when people look at other people and think life's easy or it's all right for you, actually you have no concept of discipline. You know, if someone ever says to me in my 50s, oh, it's all right for you, you were born with good genetics, I love Gwyneth Paltrow's <laughs> lines. You know, she said, this doesn't happen on its own. Mm. I eat really healthily. I, I train and work out an hour and a half a day. I don't eat sugar or high carb meals. And and so I think I would also say that, that, mm. you know, anyone that you look at or in the days, and I've done it, where you've looked at someone and said, oh, they were obviously a bit more lucky than me. Well, luck's got nothing to do with it. It's what you make of what you've mm. got. I so think I, that's people's biggest, you know, I find when people look at, I guess let's use you as an example, like, oh, you know, she's got it all. She's got, you know, this great international cosmetics company and she's an author and she's this and that. I, I don't know where they, they don't seem to have the oomph to get going though. You know, so it's like they can sit there and they look at us and they, they judge what we're doing, but they don't have that willpower to go, oh, I can do that too, and then actually do it. I think so, it's instant gratification too. In today's world on social media, it seems like everything happens so quickly. Mm. But we all know that, you know, my book success was 10 years of hard yes. work. You know, I love that line. I've heard other beautiful entrepreneurs say, oh, they quote me as an overnight success, but it took ten five, years, 10 years yeah. to get there. Yeah. And, you know, as you said, you know, it took you three years to write The Art of Self-Love. It's not just something that you've woken up one morning going, oh, I'm going to write a book and you've done it and it's out and it's published. And it's, you know, it's like three years of, I know you, Kimmy, you were at like two o'clock in the morning still typing away on your keyboard. I do, I do. And I think, you know, you said it before, but I probably, because again of my athlete mentality, maybe I'm a mum, I kind of think as soon as I've accomplished something, what's the next thing, mm. rather than actually truly celebrating what I've done or what I've got. And that's something I have to remind myself of daily. And and when I was a mum of young kids or even helping Jacob and Taylor through her darkest times, you know, you realise actually you need to pat yourself on the back for helping your kids get through these times mm. or even maybe even helping them that you didn't kill them in one yeah. day. <laughs> you know, like you didn't, you know, I've left, I've done things, I dropped Taylor off the change table when she was six weeks old. I, I let... I left Jacob, <laughs> and when I think back to it, he was, you know, I got everything in the car, got all everything organised for the day, had Taylor in the car seat, and as I reversed the car up the hill, I looked back and Jacob was still sitting in the car seat on the side of the road, like I, I actually, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you know, there were so many times I've screwed up, stuffed up, made mistakes, and, and I even said that to Jacob that day, he was sitting on my bed, mm. I have done so many things wrong, and maybe made mistakes, and, and it's discipline that's got me back. And I did say to him, those first three steps, awareness, self-care, and self-discipline, are the doing of self-love. Mm. But if you do the work, and you do get committed, and you do step up and think, stuff it, I'm gonna give this three years. I'm gonna try for the next 12 months or four seasons to, to really give it a crack. Mm. I'm not gonna expect this to happen overnight, but I'm actually gonna give myself, give myself the ability to not compare myself to others. And, and unfortunately, where, why Jacob was in such a dark place was because of social media. Mm. And 
I feel for young people and I feel for all of us because it looks so instant and amazing. But I love social media. Mm. I think it's a beautiful tool, but there's many aspects and negatives to it. And, And I said to him, you know, often we only see the highlights reel or we'll only see the good things. And I've got a rule, I don't post garbage, I don't post negativity, I also don't like social media to dump on things or people, but on my rough days, I will post a quote to pick me up. Mm. People know when I'm having a bad day, when they see a quote come up, that's about, you know, it might be, you know, um, we all, you know, what was one of my favourites, she jumped off the edge and found her wings on the way down. Mm. You know, that is a day for me where I'm really looking for inspiration because I feel like I'm about to jump off the edge, but I Mm. I ain't got any wings today. And so that was one of the things I asked him to think about, be disciplined around how you use social media. You know, my rule is if you haven't got anything nice to say, don't say it. If someone says something that offends you, stop following that person. You don't have to have a judgment on that. Let Mm. people be, let's have that freedom of speech. Watch Ricky Gervais, humanity thing on Netflix to understand Mm. what it means to have freedom of speech. But anyway, back to Jacob and and then I said, the next step that will come to you is self-control. You will, if you practice for 28 days, looking after yourself, not swearing, being kind and grounding yourself and training and eating something green, you at the end of 28 days will probably not react to the teacher and here's a great tip because it was his teachers that were annoying him um, every time someone this could be anybody in life annoys me or an, or there's a trigger you know that feeling mm. you get where you actually find yourself wanting to respond with anger there's two words that I've coached both my children and my husband and I that's interesting <laughs> so when somebody says something I you were going to say something else then <laughs> could be that's what we want to yeah. say but you know the kind place and 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 space to be in is that's interesting it's interesting that you feel that way Mm. it's interesting that you say such nasty things or it's interesting that you talk that way or it's interesting you've posted that Mm. i don't have to get into your story i don't have to buy into it and that's where jacob i hope as his mother and taylor's mom that i have given them some tools to get through those things because people are going to judge you and people are going to knock you and in fact the bigger and better you get people are going to want to rip you down it's the mm. tall poppy thing it happens to everybody yeah happened to danny when he was playing at top international sport and his line was i hope i can say yeah. it opinions are like assholes everybody's got one yeah so he felt i wasn't having dinner with these people they could say what they wanted yeah it matters matters to you most the people closest to you mm. So with self-control, you'll find that you don't want to face plant all the chocolate cakes if you've been on an eight-week protocol. You don't want to drink the whole bottle of wine. A glass of wine's fine. Or you aren't going to say such judgmental things because for 28 days you've practiced not saying awful things. Mm. Self-control is a beautiful, amazing aspect of self-love. And with that comes self-respect. And here's an interesting thing. When I ask people what do they think is someone with self-respect, not many people can answer it. Well, let me ask you, what is somebody with self-respect? What do they look like to you? I think somebody with self-respect is someone that uh, loves what they're doing, honours other people, uh, honours themselves. That's um, true, isn't it? Yeah. And, and then Taylor chirped in at this point, and she added to that, you know, some, some people will say, oh, they're, they're confident, but we know there's a lot of confident, awful people out mm. there. 
But she said the same thing. They, they honour who they are. They love to get up. Maybe they, they get up early, Mum, and they see the sunrise. She said they don't gossip about mm. other people. They don't put people down. So when you have self-respect, you're very mindful of what you judge and how you criticise others. So I've always felt that when somebody says something awful, they're fallen out of the circle yep. and they're in a place of lack of self-respect. And, and Jacob just listened to this. And then I said, and if you have self-respect, my darling, then you have the all-encompassing self-acceptance. And self-acceptance means we love ourselves whether we're having a good day or a bad day, when we know we've made a mistake or when we know we haven't hit where we should have hit or we've had a bad race if we're an athlete or we've not um, been able to launch our book on the day we wanted because we ran out of the money or we've lost our grandmother and we don't think it's fear or we've been kicked out of school or, you know, we've been kicked in the guts. Mm. No matter what, when we have self-acceptance and we know willingly that there are days that aren't going to be great, then we just get straight back into the circle and go to self-care. Mm. And self-care to me has always been the groundwork for everything else. And then the discipline of, I am going to write a book. I'm not going to write it overnight, but I'm going to take three years to write. Well, actually, I actually wanted to write it in 12 months, but when I started researching, I realized there was a lot more research I wanted to do. So then I gave myself permission because mm. while the kids were finishing school, I also took the hand, put the handbrake on a bit and took the pedal off and started thinking, actually, I still want to be a good mum too. Yep. Why would I want to put myself under this pressure while I'm running a business, have two children that are going through their last years at high school, and also Taylor had, was an aspiring ballerina and, and was doing all this extra training. Jacob was an aspiring rugby player and wanted to do all these things. I was trying yep. to get them everywhere and feed them beautiful meals. All of a sudden, I realised I was putting myself mm. under undue pressure so I just took the pedal off. And I think we're allowed to do that. Yep. If we want to be good mums and good partners and good wives and, and good friends and good daughters, then sometimes give yourself a break. Mm. You know, that would absolutely. be my other piece of advice that you don't have to have it all now. Yep, absolutely. What would be your legacy that you want to leave behind? Or uh, Interesting, because yeah. I said to my children one day, dry, and you ask your kids this, <laughs> ask your children, if I happen to die tomorrow. They'll think it's weird that you're asking this, but it's a good question to ask. How would you remember me? Mm. And both my kids sat in the back seat of the car and they both went, oh my gosh. And then they both looked at each other and cracked up and went, oh, be kind. And I thought, hmm, my work is done. <laughs> um, if I could leave a business that left the planet in a better place because I choose organic ingredients, if I could leave women thinking that no matter what, that they are worth it. And that having been a family that have been through suicide, that there is a way, another way. You know, I've, I've, I've been through sexual abuse. I have had a parents that split when I was younger. I have had to pick myself up at times when, I, I can't even begin to tell you, have been incredibly dark moments. I just want people to know that you can and will get through this. I love the lines, it is what it is. Mm. I also love the line, this too shall pass. You will get through these tough times. If I, could, if I can be remembered for somebody that reminded you to get up and on with it no matter bloody what, that you stick your toes in and that you stand up and you deliver and you be the greatest version of you, then 
then I feel like my work is done. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Mm, my pleasure. <laughs> my pleasure. Mm. Mm.